Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm Evangelist C.C. Wagner, and I am blessed like you. And the reason why I say that is because Psalms 34 verse 8 says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. So I'm so glad you've joined me today so we can unpack the Word of God and see just how blessed we are. The Word of God is rich and mighty. Let's get busy. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to Blessed Like You. We're back again by the grace of God to bring you the Word of God to encourage your hearts today. And before we get started, I just want to give all praises to God who is truly the author and finisher of my faith. And because he's been so very good to us, I can't help but praise him. So, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let us pray. Dear God, here we are again because of your grace and your mercy. God, we're here to share your precious word with the saints of God. Because there is a message that you want everyone to know. And so, God, we ask that you would, first of all, forgive us for our unrighteousness. And then, God, restore us. And then, finally, use us as you bless all under the sound of my voice. Because, God, no matter what's going on, you're good. And we thank God that you're our God. Praise your holy name, and God, we ask that you just continue to do what only you can do. In Jesus' matchless name, thank you, Lord. Amen. So, here at Blessed Like You, it's our endeavor to encourage your hearts, because no matter what's going on in this world or in our lives personally, our God is an awesome God, and he reigns forevermore. So our topic today is one that most people don't think about. A back... Oh, some people don't want to hear this. A backslider's prayer of repentance. That's right. I said a backslider's prayer of repentance. And when we think about a backslider, we believe that this is a person who has been walking with God and for whatever reason has stepped out of the will of God into sin. And in this particular division of Psalms, the person is repenting from their sin, which means turning away from their sin and asking God to forgive them. How many of you have been guilty of backsliding or stepping away from the love of God? It's so sad, but most of us can say, I have. But thank God for his grace and his mercy, because truly, Oh my God, from glory, his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so, I thought that in times like this, there might be people who have 
once been in church and for whatever reason stepped away, I just wanted the word to get out to let them know and to reinforce our relationship with Christ that God loves the world because the scripture says he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So that means he even loves a backslider. As a matter of fact, he loved this backslider. So uh, let's get into the word so we can find out in the 51st division of Psalms, who was this backslider? And let's look at his position of repentance to God. So when we look at it, in the first, 51st division, we see that um, preceding this Psalms, Nathan the prophet had gone to King David, that's right, King David, the one who slew Goliath and the one who uh, ran from Saul and the one who um, was anointed as king. But he had sinned and everybody knows about the sin of David and Bathsheba however once he had sinned God sent the prophet to uh, let him know that God was aware of his sin so David didn't stay all proud and and chest out like you know He's the king and he doesn't have to listen to God. And it was just that one time and God is going to have to forgive him. He did not make excuses. He immediately fell into a position of repentance. So the first verse says, Have mercy upon me, O God, uh, according to, according to, According to, so here he starts um, acknowledging how awesome God is because he says, according to, and listen how he describes God. I love it because this is what we need to know when we sin, we have a wonderful God who will, um, he was loving and kind who has a multitude of tender mercies and who will blot out your transgressions because this is what David said to God. He asked for mercy. And I don't know if he knew that God's mercy endures forever, but we know as we study his word that he lets us know that. And so when he went to God appealing to his mercy he says to your loving kindness and your tender mercies blot out and let's look at blot what does blot mean it actually means erase clean wash away his transgressions blot out his transgressions so we see First of all, David acknowledges that God is good. 
because he says, according to thy loving kindness and thy tender mercies. So he acknowledges God is good. And can we all admit God is good? Yes, he is. And as he acknowledges the goodness of God, then he asks God, blot out my transgressions, erase them, take them away. So how many of you know sin will get you entangled? And when you get entangled, then when you know God, you're uncomfortable with that and you want to get out of that sin. So here David is saying, blot out my transgressions, which is his sin. So I like it already because the first verse is packed. He's A, asking God, okay, for his mercy to blot out, wipe out, wash away his sin. And he's acknowledging that God is loving and he's kind and he has tender mercies. Yes, David knew who God is. And then in the second verse, he asked God to wash him thoroughly, completely, totally, wash him th thoroughly from his iniquities and cleanse him from his sins. Again, he is acknowledging he's not making excuses because excuses don't satisfy God. But he is acknowledging that he has sinned and he wants God to wash him from those sins. How many of you know God has a cleaning agent that can wash away your sins? Only God has this special cleaning agent that can wash away our sins. Thank you, Jesus. So in the third verse, he says, so I acknowledge my transgressions. Didn't I tell you that? He started right out acknowledging, admitting his transgressions. And he said, and they're ever before me. I can't forget it. Everywhere I look, I think about it. It's in my head. I can't get it out of my head. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed that I sinned against you, God. The fourth verse, he says, against thee and thee only have I sinned. I think I've heard that before. But he says, um, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And in this evil in thy sight, that thy mightest be justified when thy speak and be clear when thy judges. And all of that is just saying, I admit I've sinned and I deserve your judgment. I'm not trying to cover it up or make excuses because I know God, you'll see everything. And you already know that I've sinned. And so God, I'm asking you to wash it away to blot it out, to forgive me for my sins. And that's what God will do. Because in the New Testament, when it was asked, how many times should we forgive somebody? The response was 70 times 7. In other words, countless 
times we should forgive. So, and when Jesus prayed the model prayer, he told us that we should ask God to forgive us as we forgive others. So here, David is going to God and he's repenting. He's got a broken spirit. He's admitting and then he's submitting himself to God. Okay? He's submitting himself. He knows he deserves whatever God will give him. So we've got A, him acknowledging who God is, loving and kind and full of tender mercies. And he knows God is powerful because he's asking God, blot out my transgressions. That takes power. Only the power of God can do that. And then he's letting God know that the sin, the transgressions are ever before him. And he's asking God to take them away. In the fifth verse, he says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, he's not calling his mother a sinner, y'all. But what he is saying that I'll have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that when we are born, we inherit that sin nature because Adam and Eve sin in the garden. And so we have that Adamic nature to sin. So he wasn't making excuses. He was just letting God know that he knew that he wasn't good. He wasn't good in the first place. And many of us need to realize, I love how, I think the Apostle Paul said it over in Ephesians, that when you think about all the bad things or the sins that people are guilty of, we have to realize we were all once some of that, okay? We were all guilty of sin because we're all saved by grace through faith, not of our works. We weren't good, at least any man would boast. So here David is just admitting, okay? that he was a sinner. And so in the next verse, he says, behold, wow. He said, listen here, God. In the sixth verse, thou desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts, thou shall make me to know wisdom. So in other words, God, I'm, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to try to fake it till I make it because I know you know me inside and out. And because your way is the right way, God, I'm just saying, God, clean me up. Hallelujah. So, and, and then, God, when you clean me up, the seventh verse says, Ha-ha, purge me. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. So I thought about the 10 lepers over in the New Testament that uh, when they were healed, cured uh, from leprosy by Jesus, and they all ran away, you know, Jesus told them, go and show yourself to the priest. Well, what the priests do, it was a custom that they would purge them with hyssop. They would touch them with the sprinkling of water and... Um, certify, if you will, that they were clean so they could go back around people. Because when you were leprous, uh, had leprosy, you couldn't go among people. So David is like, let me know that I get the clearance 
purge me with hyssop and wash me clean because he wanted to be free from the guilt of sin. And because what sin does is it takes um, your mind, it consumes you, and you can't even go about your uh, busy day. When you love God, you want to please God in all you do. You don't want to grieve God. And so in the next verse, the eighth verse, he asked, make me to know joy and gladness because he had lost his joy because of his sin. That the bones that thy has broken may rejoice. In other words, when you sin against God, it feels like your bones are broken because you know that God is not pleased with your actions. So until you get reconciled to God, you're walking around somewhat handicapped or limping in the spirit because you have sinned against God. But glory, hallelujah, we have a promise or assurance because in the ninth verse, look what uh, David says to God. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. In other words, don't look at them. You know, just clean me up. Now, don't even look at my sin, because I know you already see them, and I'm ashamed of them. So just hide your face, Father. Just don't even look, and just clean me up, God. So he's certainly submitting himself to God. He's he's a broken man uh, in spirit, and he's submitting himself to God. What a beautiful thing to know that when we truly repent from our sins, when we acknowledge our sins, when we acknowledge that God is good no matter what, and we ask him to clean us up, take it away, he has the power to do just that. And so as we continue the 10th verse, he says, and this is a verse that most people know, the 10th verse, he says, create in me, what? A clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within me. Well, that tells me he knows that God has the power to not just clean him up, but to make him over again. Hallelujah. Because he said, create in me. So that means make me over again. Fix me, Lord. And here David is, the man who God loves, asking God, okay, to clean him up, and get him ready to serve. Because we know you can't serve God in the beauty of holiness when you're walking around weighted down by sin. So the right spirit, Holy Ghost, hallelujah, will take the place of the wrong spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And so now when the right spirit is activated again, because when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit, but when the right spirit is activated once again by the uh, God we serve, oh, the joy is renewed and the will to serve in the beauty of holiness is back in the forefront. And so the 11th verse, it says, take me not away from thy presence. 
and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Well, we have that blessed assurance that uh, in the New Testament, God said, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. However, we want to make sure we don't grieve the Spirit of God because we're sealed with it. However, he will not tackle us or put us in a chokehold and make us do God's bidding. It's our desires to please God, to follow God, to serve God is what makes us say yes to the will of God. And so here David is in the 12th verse wanting to say yes to God's will. So he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Salvation is the benefit of loving, receiving, serving our God. We get that promise of life with Christ. And so David is asking, uphold me with thy free spirit. Thank you, Jesus. The spirit of liberty. Thank you, Jesus. So when we have the Holy Spirit, we can resist the devil. And he has to flee. And thank God that we have the power to resist. And we can um, make sure that the presence of evil and, and the penalties of evil are something that we don't have to experience. Thank you, Jesus. And so David is taking the time to ask God, Lord, help, and to acknowledge, I've sinned and I'm so sorry. And then he's got a broken spirit because he's ashamed, he's saddened. And so he's asking God to create a, a clean heart in him. So I see that as ABCs of repentance. Because once you ask and acknowledge, okay, that you sin, and then once you come to God with a broken spirit, you can cast your cares at him and ask him to create a new spirit in you. And God will do that. He never says no to a repentant heart. Thank you, Jesus. And what does David say? Once he is um, created, uh, you want to say uh, made new uh, in Christ, he then wants to get busy, okay? Because he says, then will I teach transgressors thy ways. Hallelujah. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. So how is that going to happen? He's going to teach the word of God. Hallelujah. And that is our job. To share the word of God. To teach people how to love God back. How to receive his holy word. How to live the way God wants us to live. Amen. In the beauty of holiness. So he doesn't just want to uh, be cleaned up and made right for his benefit. No, he wants to get busy serving God in the way God desires all of us to get busy serving God. And I love that because the 13th verse means that 
He wants to let people know, don't get tricked by the devil. He's going to teach sinners, that's transgressors, don't get tricked by the devil. You know, um, it it's important for believers to share with non-believers because sometimes they see us and they think we've been holy all our lives. And I'm going to tell you something funny. Sometimes we believers think we've been holy all our lives. But the truth of the matter is the same God that David is praying to, asking God to clean him up, is the same God who had to clean us up as well. And so when he takes the time to teach transgressors God's ways and sinners become converted, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, he says, deliver me from the guiltiness. He says, because then he's going to be singing to God about God's righteousness. So the praise will come back to his heart. Remember, David has a reputation for uh, dancing out of his clothes when he uh, went back to the temple with the Ark of the Covenant. So the praise leaves when in your heart when you are wrapped up in sin, the sincere praise. However, when God comes in and cleans you up, gets all the junk out, hallelujah, the praise comes back. Thank you, Jesus. And nobody can take that away. He says, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. I'm telling you, you won't just wait till you get to church to sing and praise God. You'll praise God in your home, in the shower, in the car, wherever you go. When you think about the goodness of the Lord, you'll praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so when you do that, the 16th verse, David lets God know he understands that God desireth not sacrifice. He said, else would I give it? He said, thou desireth not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. So he gets it. It's not what you do, how many times you go through the traditions uh, uh, that are established in the church, how many times you show up, how many times you say amen. That's not what God is looking at. Thank you, Jesus. God is looking at the hearts of man. It's not even about how much money you give. The sacrifices are broken spirit, you know, a, a, a clean heart. That's what, why do you do what you do? That's what God is looking at. And David is clear on that. So in the 18th verse, we know, um, well, the 17th verse, I'm sorry. The sacrifices that God is looking for is the broken spirit and a contrite heart. That's what God is looking for. And so I want to close this study to let you know a repentance spirit is one who turns from 
evil, who despises evil, that's what sin is, and who desires to please God in all he says and does, or she. A repentant spirit is ashamed of what they've done and wants to work to help others not go the same way that they've gone. Yes, a repentant spirit wants to sing God's praises whenever they get opportunity because the joy of the Lord is restored and they're able to give God glory. I'm so glad that we have this example um, as a uh, black backslider. David, a man of stature, turning away from God and then coming back to God and being received. We have other examples. Everybody knows about the prodigal son. He did the same thing. He was in the house. He was the youngest son. He had it made. But he walked away and sinned, lived riotously, and spent all of his money. But when he came to his senses, he went back and said, Father, I have sinned against thee. I don't even deserve to be your child. See, that same acknowledging that you've sinned and then that same um, broken spirit knowing that you were wrong and, of course, asking to be um, reinstated to the fold, so to speak, or the family of God, that's what we need to know. It's in the Bible. We have examples to go by. There were plenty of people who sinned or fell out of grace and God reached out and restored them. So there's nothing that you can do that's so bad that God won't love you back. So we're asking backsliders to repent and come to Jesus. Because Jesus loves you more than you could ever love him back. And he's so good, he's not going to put it uh, back up in your face or remind you of it. He's just going to restore you with the joy, hallelujah, and the praise and the desire to serve God in the beauty of holiness. So we thank God for this lesson. And we just want you to know that in times like these, a lot of people are not able to go to church, but you can definitely go to God in your heart, in his word, on the internet, God's got a way. So we thank God. And if you haven't been in the body of Christ in a long time, but you were raised in the church, now's a wonderful time. For you to come back and give your heart to God. So repeat after me if you like. Dear God, create in me a clean heart. I'm so sorry, God. I love you. I believe that Jesus is your darling son and that he died and he rose on Calvary. Thank you for his precious blood that washes white as snow. Father, I'm sorry. I praise you and I thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, be my God. Amen. So, there you have it. 
it's not about how many times you do something or don't do something. It's all about do you open up your heart and ask the Lord in. Having said that, backsliders can come to Christ and he will receive them. Thank you. Hello, Mr. Brown. Hey. Welcome to another podcast with Blessed Like You. Yes, glad to be here. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you uh, have so many irons in the fire, as they say. <laughs> you know, I don't take it for granted. How's it been going? It's been going really good. I'm just blessed, happy to be here, to be a blessing to some other, some, someone else, and just happy to serve God. Amen. And that is what it's all about. We are continuing our topic of, you know, we talked about in the previous podcast, Live Right. And so we're continuing the Die Right portion because I had requests from some of the listeners. They said, we want to hear more from that man regarding <laughs> insurance. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I consider that a blessing and I love to get comments from the listeners so we can provide them with uh, the information that they need. Right. So having said that, um, in case someone didn't get an opportunity to listen to the previous uh, broadcast, what do you want the listeners to know about you? Uh, well, first of all, I want them to know that I'm a man of God. I'm also an educator, so um, I love to teach and to share God's word is also and also to be able to help children uh, to succeed in life as well. So, and I also am a chess fanatic, so I teach chess as well. So those are my top three. I'm married and I have children, so those are kind of like a little snippet uh, about me. And I just love people. Awesome, awesome. And uh, truly, when you have the love of God, He says, "How do we know?" Uh, the question was asked, "How will people know that we're Christians?" And the answer was given when they right. love the brethren. So exactly. it's quite uh, natural for believers to love people. So concerning our um, topic of dying right, which means being responsible in our, in our preparation to depart, I want to continue discussing insurance because... Okay. You, you are told all of that good stuff about yourself, but you also are an experienced insurance salesman, correct? Yes, ma'am. All right. Yes, ma'am. So you are, um, would be the expert that I need to talk okay. to us about the various types of insurance. Okay. Well, um, well, when, when discussing insurance, and by the way, I, I would consider myself a financial life coach or, I mean, because a lot of people, insurance agents to me, I think, think of insurance agents are just people who are just out to get your money, who are just trying to find a way to get you to say yes for the insurance. And that's not me. So I don't want to, you know, leave the listeners thinking that, hey, oh, he's just an insurance guy. He loves God, but he's about money. So my thing is, if people learn and understand the differences between life insurance, whether they do business with me or not, I want to feel good 
about serving God and sharing the information. Because as, as you do know, if you share God with someone and they say not right now or, or you know, they don't turn over and say, I want to, you know, live for Christ, you can't get upset with them. You have to just continue just to, you know, spread those seeds. So I want to be a seed spreader and, and just kind of share information. And if people like it, then they do business with me because I'd rather someone do business with someone that they trust and that they that they like versus, you know, they feel pressured to do business with me just because I know more than them uh, concerning this issue. Awesome. Well, so, okay. Let me sprinkle some water on the seat. Um, <laughs> so can you tell us what are the various types of insurance? Because in our previous podcast, we talked about the fact that it, it is totally irresponsible to right. die and not leave some type of uh, financial plan in place so that your family is not saddled with having to go fund me or uh, pass the hat or whatever to, right. to get you taken care of. So can you tell exactly. us about the types of insurance? Okay, well, sure. Um, there's actually two, only two types of insurance. I mean, um, burial insurance, what they offer you at the funeral home is what's called a pre-need, but it's, it's still just basically a burial insurance. And then you have the main type that you buy outside of work would be considered a term life policy or a whole life policy. Now, of course, whole life, under whole life, you'd have like universal life, but all of it is whole life. The, any other type of insurance, if it's not term, is going to be listed as either whole life or universal life, if that makes sense. And so basically, um, whole life is basically a combination of two types of things. You have a bundled insurance policy that has a savings component uh, with it. So, of course, if you have something that's bundled, it's going to be more expensive. Uh, versus term, which is going to be for a certain length of time, because, I mean, because at certain at, cert, at a certain time in your life, you should be, you know, your your income should come up. You should, you know, well on investments and stuff like that. So we look at term should be income protection. All of it, life insurance is is just income protection. So if you die too soon, then your family doesn't have to be burdened with, okay, well, how are we going to take care of the bills and how are we going to keep the house and the car? And if you leave a lot of debt, then you want to make sure you want to have a lot of insurance because you want to take care of all the debt and then be able to bury your loved one without the stress of trying to do, like you said, GoFundMe and things of that nature. So, so term is cheaper. You get a lot more coverage uh, for that reason, because it's just pure insurance, if that makes sense. So just think think about it like this. If you go into the store, you buy a name brand, you're going to be paying, of course, for the name brand. You may can go to a Walmart, buy something totally just as good. Now, of course, don't get me wrong, I'm not calling uh, term insurance Walmart, mm -hmm. but I'm giving you an idea of what it is, because if you have universal or whole life, you're going to be paying that your entire life because you pay a premium your entire life. And what I would suggest is if you're smart, because when you're young and healthy, you can get a lot more coverage with term. I think people are afraid of term because they say, well, it'll get, it'll, it'll cut off. Well, that's the whole point. You don't want to have to pay insurance until you're in your nineties. You want to be able to pay insurance for as long as you need it. Now, no one, I don't think any other insurance company is teaching people how to not need life insurance because at some point, in your life, before you retire, you want to get to a point where you're self-insured. 
because the main thing that you don't have when you're just getting started off in life is a lot of income. You know, you're just getting started. So like I'm using myself as, as an example. When I first got an education, I didn't have any children. I was I was young, got married at 21. So, of course, both my wife and I or my fiance at that time, we didn't have a lot of money. So, of course, I needed, you know, I was smart enough to know I needed some type of insurance. So if something were to happen to me when I just got into education, <laughs> maybe a kid, you know, <laughs> come at me or something. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew I needed some type of coverage. So I, you, you want to have coverage just to support what you need as far as a defense. So think about life insurance as a defense just in case, like your car insurance. No one expects to have a car accident, but they happen. No one expects, you know, to get sick, but sometimes those things happen. So you have these things put in place for these reasons. So the main two types of insurance, which is the only two, is term and whole life. And so, of course, term is less expensive. You get a lot more coverage for a specific amount of time. So we have 10, 15, 20, 30, 35-year level term, which means you're going to pay the same premium for that whole, say, 30-year period. It won't, it won't go up. Now, of course, if you get older and say you decide, hey, well, I'm going to cancel the policy and I'm going to try to get it later on, you know, of course, it's going to be more expensive because the older you get, the more expensive the insurance becomes because they look at insurance as, okay, I have to cover this person if they're closer to death. Because, I mean, statistically, if we're getting older, of course, we're getting closer. I mean, you could die in a freak accident, but uh, in the insurance world, they look at it at your age, your attained age, as well, how one of the criteria for qualifying you for life insurance and of course there's a lot of other little things in there that go along with that and if we can you know if we need to talk about that we can but i just want to kind of shed some light on the different the one of the main differences also in whole life is that it, since it is a bundled and it has an investment component you're going to pay a lot more money for it so i look at it like this if i have a husband and wife who typically you want to have at least 10 10 years or 10 to 12 times your income. So if I have a husband and wife who both make 50,000, if something happens to the wife, then of course the husband has to come up with another 50,000 because the wife was bringing in that. So their household was running on $100,000 income, if that makes sense. So now I'm not, I'm not gonna kill the wife off this time, I'm gonna kill the husband off. So if something were to happen to say me, in my case, I'm, if I'm making 50,000, now my wife has to figure out well, what is she going to do? Because now I'm gone. You know, what is it? You know, what is it? Other fifty thousand going to come to help take care of the family, the kids, the bills, and if you know, if I wasn't smart, you know, okay, well, I left a lot. I left a car note, left a truck note. You know, just a lot of bills on top of bills. So, on top of being stressed out about losing a loved one, now you are, you are faced with the task of coming up with money to to pay and what most people do and i've experienced it they don't pay they they hide from the creditors um you know they go into you know depression all because they did not make the smart choices and, and just get an understanding before you make a decision and so i would tell anyone before you decide okay we'll turn that one i want because it cuts off get a full understanding of both because i'm going to put my insurance with insurance a company that are great at insurances and then i want my investments with investment company 
Now, of course, our you know the, the company I work with they they handle both term and investment. So I would say, hey, of course, we have tons of investment companies that we work with that we can you know connect people to because we we feel like, hey, if I have insurance and I'm an expert at insurance, let me get you covered first with the right amount of insurance for your defense. Now you're covered with income protection versus whole life. And just in my opinion, it's a bad investment because you're paying it your whole life. And then of course, with the market, if you have insurance, a whole life and universal life going with the market, you have that savings bundle, but also you have the fees that go along with that investment part. So you don't really know how well you know, it's going to, you know, perform against the, you know, if, you know, S&P 500, you don't know what it's going to do. So you just kind of left. And most people who have um, whole life, it is a, it has a savings element, which is called a um, cash value. <laughs> and what people don't really realize is that the cash value, you have an option. So of course, and let's say I have $100,000 worth of whole life insurance, I'm paying this as a bundle. I have an investment component. I can borrow from it. But there are some things you need to know. And if people don't understand it, and most people don't read the entire policy, but inside the policy, it says, hey, you can borrow from the policy, but you're actually borrowing from your money, all the money you put into the policy, you're borrowing from that at a percent interest between five and eight percent. So imagine this, you're, you're getting your money, you need an advance, which doesn't make sense for someone to even suggest, hey, let's put this into a insurance policy, give them an option to be able to get cash off of this policy, and people do it. And I don't think they just target um, people who don't know, I think they target people just because of this option. Hey, I can get money, you, you know, if you need to borrow off the whole life policy, you can. And, you know, sometimes we don't pay it back. Sometimes we forget. So just imagine now this interest is now accruing on the loan you took on the money that is already yours. <laughs> so now at the end, when the person passes away, if they pass away and that loan has not been paid back, then the person or the beneficiary would only get the difference once the loan amount plus interest is paid back. So that's why you find cases where a family has to, you know, put a grandmother to rest and they don't have enough money in her whole life policy because maybe, you know, one year she wanted to, you know, help the family out for Christmas or something like that. You know, and it's, it's you know, it happens, you know, right. but it's sad because in this case, now grandmother can't get a proper burial or now you have to come up with additional income, additional monies from families. Or you, like you said last time, you know, doing Easter egg hunt, mm -hmm. <laughs> trying to find other policies to try to compensate. Well, maybe Granny had another policy and you have to try to put policies together just to, you know, let Granny uh, get a proper burial. So I do believe um, somewhat in the um, pre-need because you get it at a discount price. Um, I don't necessarily feel you have to get that because if I'm doing my investments right and I have a term like policy, let's say for example, five times my income is five hundred thousand dollars. If I'm you know if I if I'm now um worth that amount, I have that amount in cash before I pass away, then I no longer need that that five hundred thousand dollar insurance policy because I'm now cash, I have that on hand. 
that you don't necessarily have to have uh, a pre-need. And I'm, of course, we can go back and forth with, you know, you know, is it pre-need okay? I would say if you have it and you've already, and you paid it off, then yes, it's great. It's basically like putting a down payment on a car and you're paying it out in installments. So you basically have a paid up uh, insurance burial already at a discounted price. So that's, if you have the, the money to do that, then yes, but I wouldn't do both. I would say, okay, if I'm, if I'm still working, I would suggest do term and then invest the money that you save. Because then now you have your investment portfolio that's really good. And we also teach people to, hey, have you an emergency fund. And then, of course, you have your, your wealth building and then you have your savings. So you have a three account system versus pulling everything from your checking account. And so, wow. and so once you teach people that, then people say, oh, wow. Now, it's not going to happen overnight of course anything that we you know prescribe like a doctor say hey take these pills you know if you say hey now nah, they make me feel funny okay mm -hmm. you're not going to take them so the doc when you go back to the doctor god's going to say okay well have you taken the pill well now nah, doc when i take them they make me feel funny well god's going to say well hey i'm the doctor i'm the expert i know you need to take the pill it's going to help you feel better it may make you feel funny right now so not use that as the same example yes it makes you feel funny to save this way or to think about insurance as in income protection, but yet it feels funny, but it's going to help you out in the long run. Because we want to think about this as a long race. It's like Christians, we're on a Christian journey. So I do believe that, that Christ put us as stewards over our finances. And I think as, you know, Christians, we should definitely think about, am I, do I want to pay, you know, and, I, and I mean, just me thinking about it, why do I pay a premium? My, my entire life until I'm in, in, in my 90s. I, might, I may forget about a premium in my 90s. Right. See if that makes sense. So what I want to try to do is make sure I have between 10 to 12 times my income. I want to make sure that I'm getting more income, so more banging from my butt, not bundle. That's, that's kind of like giving you the idea, okay, your whole life is a bundle. Mm -hmm. So it's more expensive. You can borrow from it, but it's going to be between 5 and 8% interest. Uh, it does not accumulate cash value. And this is the crazy part about whole life insurance. And you probably would have people um, ask questions about this. Well, I have a whole life policy and I can get, get a cash value. Okay, sure, you get a cash value. But if you read the policy, in that policy, it states that between the first three to five years, and some policies are different, but between the first three to five years, no cash value, no money that you're putting into your premiums are going towards your cash value at all. Absolutely none. So basically what happens is when you die, you have an option. Now, that's crazy. You don't get both. You don't get the cash value that you put into the whole life policy. You only get the face value amount. So if I have $50,000, say, let's say $100,000. So if I have $100,000 and then let's say over the course of the time I've had the policy, I've accrued, let's just say, $124,000 in cash value. Guess who gets the $124,000? Not your family. Okay. The insurance company. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. So if you've accrued $124,000, that's more than your face value. Right. Because your face value was $100,000. Right. But because you can't, it's designed as an investment 
uh, vehicle as well as insurance, then of course all of that's going toward fees. And so all the premiums you put in, not necessarily going to pure insurance, is going to you know have all the fees, of course, the interest and all that. So all of that is tied up in your insurance, which it should not be. So a person is now saying, okay, what you mean I don't get both? You're thinking I'm gonna get the hundred thousand plus to what I've accrued in right. my cash value. And you can fight all day long with the insurance company. All they're going to do is say, did you read your policy? And most people do not read the full fine print. And it's there. You know, it's there. You just have to, if you don't have a trained eye to see it, you you probably would kind of read past it. And most people don't. They say, well, I, I'm, I'm covered. I have insurance. I'm good. And some people could have insurance but have the wrong type or could be paying a ton of money you know, for say a whole life and universal life policy, and they could possibly, which I know because term is cheaper, less expensive. Right. People right. love that. <laughs> but I would teach by term and then invest a difference. So if I'm saving now 100 bucks a month, I can now pay myself that $100 per month versus, you know, what I was spending interest. You know, and then once my credit cards are paid off, which we want to get to a point we want financially not to keep accruing debt. But right. to at some point pay the debt down to pay it off. So by the time I get too close to retirement age, I don't need as much life insurance because my portfolio is now doing really well. And as we said before, the three account system, my wealth bidding account is doing well. Uh, the market has you know been good. Of course, you're going to have the up and down with the market. But now you have a lot more money in your investment portfolio. You were able to be disciplined enough to pay yourself, say, say if it was just 50 bucks a month that you saved, you were able to pay that over a, a time frame, of course, at maybe one to two percent interest. That's still good in your savings. And then you had an emergency fund. Of course, if we save you some money in another area, now you can take the money once your credit cards are paid. Now you can pay that money to yourself as well. So now you have a large nest egg in your emergency fund. So most people, what do they do when it's time for an emergency? They go right to the bank or they borrow some money from someone or they deplete their checking account to, you know, because the roof, you know, messed up. You know, so if they had that three account system and we teach that, hey, you know, you want to try to start off small, but wherever we save you in those areas now, instead of spending the extra cash, you save it and you pay it, pay down the next debt or you double up on the next deal. And then when that was paid off, instead of using that money, and I use this good example, once you're getting down to your car, they say the last thing possibly should be your your house note. So let's just say my total debt was let's just to say $2,400 a month. So now if the only thing I have left is my house that I'm paying, let's say it's 700 a month. And um, the car note is almost paid off. So when my car note is done, I'm going to take whatever I was paying in car note. So that money is now free because I was paying it every month. So now I've just paid my last payment. So people are like, oh, yes, I got to pay for a car. All you have to do is go a little further, be a little bit more disciplined, and now take the money that you would have paid for the car note and not go buy a TV, <laughs> you know, not go on a trip. But now take the four or $500 that you were paying for your car and now you can pay yourself and they can go toward either your you know the investment vehicle 
You can go into the emergency fund every month. Um, every every month, you want to make you a bill. I mean, because of, of course your creditors, you, you know they they were a bill. Now you pay them off. <laughs> so take that same money that you were paying the creditors, and now you become the creditor. Thank you, Mr. Brown, for all that you have said and <laughs> done today. It's been I appreciate quite enlightening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to end uh, the podcast. Uh, however, with a song that came to my heart, since we are encouraging the body of Christ to uh, live right and to die right, and we are trying to encourage them to get their house in order. But there is a song that I've heard many uh, people sing, Get Right Church and Let's Go Home. That's right. Okay, so you ready? That's all yes, that's all we're saying, and I don't really know all of it, but... Um, I'm going to um, sing it, and this hasn't been rehearsed, so we're just going to do an impromptu, and right, thank right. everyone for um, listening to the Blessed Life You podcast, and we invite you to share it with your friends if you find that it has been helpful to you. And Mr. Brown, yes. what is your contact uh, information if anyone has further questions about insurance? Yes, my contact information is 214 686 3379. That is my cell, and I can be reached um, at 214, oh, no, sorry, 469 567 0418. Awesome. All right. And so, having said that, get right, church. Church, and let's go home. Get right, church, and let's go home. Get right, church. Get right, get right, church. Get right, church, and let's go home. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you, sir. And we God will talk you. with you soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You're quite welcome. Bye-bye. God bless you. All right.